Attention to roll call. Welcome to the 265 Police Live Series. Brought to you by the New York's finest retired and unfiltered podcast. The mission of this podcast is to provide expert analysis of past and present law enforcement related events with a trained eye. Listen to the boots on the ground weigh in on the court of public opinion. All right, everybody, welcome. Police Live 265 Series, baby. We are the experts. I'm here with my good friend, Eric Dim, again, the great and powerful. Eric, how you doing, my friend? Outstanding. I'm here for more content. Thank you, the NYPD. You make it easier for us to just keep putting information out there. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, so we were we were talking offline about an article that we brought up on the last episode where we interviewed Mike Weatry, and the article was about Ken Corey's retirement uh, to chief of department. And you know, we just started talking about it, and I was like, the more I read the article, the more we were just like, this is such bullshit, you know. And just and just one thing I want to point out, right? Like this guy's retiring, everyone's touting him. Oh, you're the best chief, you're the best, you know. And and no knock on just him. It's not just him. Everyone that retired under Bill De Blasio, all the way up until now, and you know, we're we're, we're waving the the. Oh, Ken, thank you for everything you do. Thank you for not telling us that you got kicked out because you're a white guy and to make room for, for Jeff Madry. Thank you for not telling us that. And thank you and thank all of you, by the way, because every successing chief of department, every successive chief of the patrol, every successive police commissioner, crime has risen under your watch. The quality of life in New York City has fell. The morale in the New York City Police Department has dropped. Re- resignations. Uh, um, what did I do? Vest, vested retirements, people retiring early, and retirements all on the rise, all under your watch. So guess what? We're going to make you the man of the year for the rest of your life. So, you know, and, and we were just reading it. We were reading the article, and I'm like, Look at this. Even on the way out, they can never break rank. They just keep selling bullshit. Bullshit that me and Eric are 100% positive. They're not saying to their friends and family. They're not saying around the table at dinner. Like, this is bullshit. Well, again, it goes back to what we've been saying. Nepotism. Or there's definitely definitely some reason behind the curtain. We, and we haven't unveiled this curtain yet, and we will. It will come out. I always say, what happens in the dark will come out in light. Here, our former, soon-to-be-retired Chief Ted Corey has an opportunity to be that 60-year-old man that I've been saying, come out and stand up and actually say what's going on. Tell the truth. You're going to make 25000 some dollars a month for your pension for the rest of your life. I mean, how much money do you need? Here's an opportunity to stand up and talk about the atrocities that are going on within the police department, the failed leadership, the inadequate leadership, the inadequate nexus that's going on with the police department, the politicians, the media, the city council, the court system, the DAs. Here's an opportunity to speak up. I mean, there's so much content. There's so much meat on the bone. There's so much substance, man, talking about. And again, just falsies, spewing lies, just total bullshit. Frankly, everything that this guy said in the article, he's full of shit. I've heard he's the best guy, great guy, nice guy. That's great. I know I know a lot of nice guys. I have nice neighbors. I have nice friends. But what we need with the police department is leadership. And here, just as we grew up in the millennials right now, he gets a participation trophy, just like everybody else. Everyone's telling he was great, man of the year, 
thing that memorialized his career. And for the public, you can understand he's going to get a walkout. What does that mean? Two lines of cops, probably 60, 70 on both lines, who don't even know him. They're going to clap, and they're going to memorialize his career. They're going to put him in a nice, fancy car and talk about how great he was on his way out. And you know what I'm going to say? Bullshit. Fair leadership. Here was an opportunity to stand up and talk about the atrocities that are going on. And here, on his way out, in this article, frankly, just complete bullshit, how he talks about how they had a new version or a similar or better version of addressing quality of life. I mean, there's only one way to do it. We know the broken windows theory, and the broken windows theory cannot even be utilized right now because most of the crimes or violations that we would address that are part of this broken windows theory have been taken off the table. So this is absolutely ridiculous. And here we go. This was an opportunity. When I say unveil the curtain, we're going to have an opportunity to see, well, maybe he has some offspring that he's waiting for to get on the job. Maybe he has a son or daughter that's going to work with Rich Che. 18 months on a job, he'll go to the 2-3 squad and be Richard Chase partner. Or maybe our former chief of the department has something lined up to himself. But obviously, and that will come out. That curtain will be unveiled, and then we'll say, oh, bingo. That's why he didn't speak out. Because I don't know how these grown men sleep at night and look up at the ceiling and say, you know what? I did the right thing. I don't have to ask those, I don't have to ask those questions, and neither do you, but he has to ask himself did he do the right thing, and he has to live with that. Shame on you. That's what I have to say. Shame on you. And again, they'll memorialize his career and talk about how great he was and become man of the year and all these participation trophies. You know what? I'm, I'm tired of seeing it. I, I, I really am. It's disgusting. You were you the white man that had the opportunity to talk about nepotism, about race, about how they're supposed to promote the un, uh, underrepresented on the job. Well, you know what? We just did a podcast. And here, here's an opportunity. He's retiring. We should expect, John, and we demand it. I want to see an Asian chief of department, the first Asian chief of department. They are the most underrepresented. We debunk that. I want to see an Asian. We want to see Chief Chang should be the uh, should be the new chief of department. That's what I would like to see. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's not going to happen because we clearly see the agenda is to push black first even though they're not the most underrepresented and they're bringing the Hispanics along who are a large majority on the police department. They're bringing them along so they don't have a war and a battle and they could play the black and brown game. But if you really look at it and I'll even get one further, because guess what? If you're not from Southside Queens and you're black, you ain't in with the in crowd. So it's going to be a hard time for you too. So Ken Corey got moved out of the way. For would you be me- Southside seven- Jamaica, baby? <laughs> what, what <laughs> was it? The seven Kings? Was it Seven Crowns? Seven, seven Crowns. Seven Crowns. Oh, so you got to be part of the Seven Crowns. All right. Seven, gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, maybe we'll bring back Corey Pegues. But, uh, <laughs> but here we go. Before we get in this art, before we get into the article, I just want to give a big shout out to, uh, to Chief Madgery's, uh, detective. Who he was involved in a 1013 over the weekend. He held four males at gunpoint. We're glad that you are okay. However, that radio transmission went viral. Everyone sent me that radio transmission. Members of Brooklyn community, Queens community, Staten Island community, uh, guys on the job, off the job, retired guys. That thing is going everywhere over the internet. And what Chief Majory's driver said in 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 that transmission is Chief of Department portable so when i got the message i was like wow that's weird i was like it's one of that's one of chief Corey's guys right 
No, it's not. It's one of Chief Madry's guys. So they're already representing each other as that they are the chief of department before that announcement's been made. So congratulations to you, Chief. You are now overseeing the police department at the height of morale being at an all-time low. Crime is continuing to rise. The quality of life in New York City is going down, and people will continue to flee from this job as soon as they are eligible or have the financial means to do so or a better opportunity provides it. So congratulations. I'd like to see what you're going to do next. So here we go. New York Post article by Amanda Woods. New York cops tackling more quality of life issues, top police officials say. Outgoing Chief of Department Ken Corey this week touted department's move to ramp up its quality of life enforcement despite a revolving door criminal justice system that often doesn't keep low-level criminals behind bars. It also doesn't keep high-level criminals behind bars either, Amanda. So let's let's point that out. It's, it's a two-fold thing. It doesn't help keep anybody behind bars. So Corey, the NYPD's highest-ranking uniform cop, set to retire next week because – Mayor Adams told him to get out because your time is done. I used you all I could, so now I need you to make way. Um, Made the comments during a Monday evening interview on Cats at Night Show. Um, So we went back to a version of quality of life enforcement, Corey said, of the effort that began earlier this year. We started it back in the spring, and we've been ramping it up as we go. The move marked a return to the zero-tolerance broken windows policing strategies that were widely created with reducing crime in the Big Apple during the 90s. Eric, uh, had towards the end of your career and into this year, have you noticed a zero-enforcement quality-of-life effort, and how is that even possible when you can't even spend a night in jail, even if you have warrants, <laughs> You commit a violent crime. How are we? How are we do? How does this enforcement work? Uh, first of all, this 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 statement here is just a complete joke. It, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. First of all, to say that it's a version of broken windows, bro, bro, it's a version of quality of life policing. Let me explain it to the public. Complete failureship. What Mayor Adams and his constituents and the police department is doing is giving a facade. Okay. Because you have a generation of police officers. I mean, we're talking about almost a decade. These guys are here, eight years in the police department under the Blazer era. They have no experience to engage a community. They don't understand what it is to encounter and encounter potential suspects at different levels of intrusion, with particular case from people versus DeBoer, which would separate police officers from security guards, is that shield bearing, giving you the right to be intrusive. They don't know what it is to engage people to have to write summonses, to issue citations, which I think is a major skill that police officers need. My argument, I used to say prior to this, and I used to say this for years, I sometimes I think it's even more of a valuable tool that police officers, and I say cops, when you get the honor of being called cop, that you have the art to a witness, observe a violation, encounter a potential, potential suspect, and issue a summons and have them go on their way. That is the art. And it's art that has been lost. Now, here we have the neighborhood coordination officers that were under the de Blasio era. And these guys had approximately eight years on the job. Zero idea of how to do police work. Zero clue what it is to engage the community. Zero idea of how to engage the community when addressing quality of life issues. First of all, all these quality of life issues have been taken off the table. They've been decriminalized. So, and then immediately when Mayor Adams came into office, I remember going to CompStat. 
And right away, they they came up with this great idea. Again, just renaming, same horse, different color, renaming the Naval Coordination Officers back to, uh, back to conditions. And what is conditions? But they were supposed to go out and address quality of life, broken windows, but we don't have the broken windows to address. Also, we have cops with eight years on the job that have zero idea how to do it. And now with the mass exodus, the veteran cops that are on the job, they're not there to teach them, to show them how to do it. So completely, this is complete farce. And I don't know how our former chief can actually spew these lies out of his mouth. He knows it's full of shit because it can't be done. You have cops that have zero idea how to do the police work who would now become sergeants on the job because you need five years on the job to become a sergeant. And we even have lieutenants on the job that have zero idea what it is to engage a community. And that's why I say on this job, it's completely divided. We have Bloomberg era police officers and we have the de Blasio era police officers. So they're wearing the same patch, but they're doing a completely different job. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a little bit more into this and then I'm going to just give my take a little bit more onto what you're saying. Because it, it's just, it's real bullshit. It really is. So during an, an all-hands-on-deck March conference call with the department-wide top-ranking officers following a violent weekend with two dozen shooting incidents, the chief urged the supervisors to have their cops engage with quality-of-life infractions and criminals, sources told the Post. Among other moves, local neighborhood coordination officers were shifted from helping detectives investigate unsolved crimes to enforcing quality of life offenses, including littering and fare evasions, sources say. So the officers have begun addressing that. But remember, we didn't do this for quite a number of years New York's, in New York City, Corey said during the Monday radio interview. So we have an entire generation of officers, probably a third of the department, which is going to make up the bulk of the officers that are out there on patrol that have never engaged in this type of policing before. So and, uh, and, I'll, and I'll finish on the last thing here. He says, so they need to be taught how to do it, which we've done. <laughs> and now they need to get comfortable doing it. He continued, they need to know that their elected officials and their supervisors and their elected officials stand behind them. So. All right. So first off. You you cannot like policing quality of life crimes, engaging criminals is something that is still not being done. Okay, because there are no teeth like Eric said. These are not criminal infractions, fair evasion, drinking in public. None of these could lead to you even possibly spending one night behind bars. You're going to get a summons that has Eric has very well explained. You There's no recourse if you don't pay it, if you fucking rip it up and throw it on the floor. So there's no teeth behind that enforcement enforcement there needs to be an action past that it's not just you got a summons or you had an interaction with a cop what does that interaction possibly mean possibly means you spent a weekend in jail you spent a night in jail you may face jail time currently we're seeing zero respect for the police we're seeing ton ton of physical interactions over these quality of life issues that by the way again there's no teeth behind so nobody fears getting these summonses no one gives a fuck about getting them so I, you when you have I, if i was a kid and you would give me a summons that i didn't need to pay believe me i'd have i'd have 80 of them 
I wouldn't give a shit. I would be like, okay, whatever. And now we see what happens when someone raises their hand to the cops. The cops are pitter-pattering around, right? And everyone, everyone's going to sit there and make fun of them. And all the overtired guys, yeah, you know what I would have did, blah, 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 blah. You know why they're doing that? Because they don't have a fucking clear message of what they are allowed to do. They have no idea what they even could do. So I don't blame them for pitter-pattering around. They're trying not to go to jail and they're trying to keep their fucking job. So it, it is what it is at this point. This is the this is the department that men like this have created. And now that these guys take a swing at them, and what's the repercussion for taking a swing at a cop? You get arrested and four hours later, you get let out again. When I was a cop, if somebody raised their hand to me, not only did they get fucked up, they got fucked up on the scene, they got arrested, and then they went to court, and the judge said, oh, wait, you raised your hand to a cop? Yeah, you're spending some time in. Yeah, that's not okay. Oh, and by the way, when I do let you out, if you fuck up again for anything, I'm putting your ass right back in jail. It's all gone. That The teeth are gone. The interaction's gone. So... This is all bullshit. This is I'm sending my guys out. Go interact with these criminals who aren't scared of you and get yourself a million CCRBs. CCRB is going to hammer you. I'm going to pretend like I know nothing that's going on. I'm just going to go. I'm going to show up at the fucking Emerald Society and win the Man of the Year award. It's it's fucking (laughs) bullshit. Thank you, Chief. Thank you for all your hard work. I I, I just want to add that I'm proud to say that I I, I didn't want to walk out. I was off the wall. I, said, I do not want to walk out. I, I, I said honestly, I think it's, I think it's bullshit. I mean, the irony. Of, I always work nights, so if I had a walkout, they always do it during the day. So it would be cops that don't even work for me. And I, I said, if anything, I, I, I like to line up two lines of all the people I've arrested before and have them clap for me. They'd be happy that I'm on my way out. They want to thank you. Yeah, he's got plenty of CCRBs. He's on his way out the door. I mean, it's total bullshit. Here's an opportunity for them to memorialize this guy's career and say he's the best, this and that. He knows exactly this is full of shit, a version of quality of life. I mean, I told you, I, I, I've said it earlier on the other podcast. I saw it my last year in, the, in my career, especially in the South Bronx. There were streets you couldn't even drive through. Cars were double parked, triple, triple parked. And it got so bad to the point, no one was trying to write a summons or try to address. If you're right, if, if one of these cops made attempts, to write a summons to a beer drinker, it would be an all-out brawl. And unfortunately, the cops were on the losing and get their asses taken because, one, they're not ready for violence because they're taught all they know is what not to do. They have no idea what to do. They're scared of the optics, of the cameras that are out there and how it's going to look. They're scared because they're on body camera. They're scared because of CCRB. They're scared because they're self-reporting the TRI. They're scared because they're spineless leadership that, they know no one's going to back them. They're commanding officers. And here's the irony. Plenty of times, the commanding officers would send the troops out to address quality life conditions as such. Double park cars, triple park cars, groups playing loud music at midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. But then, when, when certain community, key community members would come out and, and say, ah, you know, come on, give them some more time, the commanding officers, the same commanding officers that sent these police officers out there would say, all right, leave them alone because they were in bed with the community because now the community had a say in their promotions. So these cops were in a losing battle anyway. And, and I love that line that you say. I always say that also. If we go out in this manner with toothless lions and they know it, and, it, you know, it's absolutely – I mean, also with the way the laws are right now, you could walk past a cop, you could be smoking a joint, and that's legal. 
but someone's walking past the cop drinking a beer, we're going to stop that person. We know it's going to erupt. It's a volcano. This is absolutely ridiculous. And I saw it my last year. And all we did was stand out. Because if you try to take someone's speaker, you try to write someone for drinking a beer, it would be an all-out brawl, and the cops are on the losing end. Civilian Complaint Review Board would be all over it. And unfortunately, the body camera for that would never be a good perception. The perspective on a tussle, it never looks good. It's never in favor of the cop. It's a losing end for the police officers. That's why I always said, the major instance, the body cameras are good. But minor instance, especially tussles, the body cameras do not help. The perception, the optics, it's never in favor of the cop. It's unfortunate. And the Civilian Complaint Review Board, it's always a gotcha, aha moment. Anytime they see a cop deploying punches, you're getting substantiated with charge 100%. I know I was on the receiving end for it. Fighting with persons of interest, perpetrators, violent perpetrators who have done shootings in possession of illegal firearms, just did a robbery, fighting because they didn't want to go to jail, which I don't even know why they were fighting anyway because they're not going to jail, as we, as, we, as we know. But why not? You might as well punch a cop because when the police officers actually take action, you are getting a lawsuit, guaranteed you're getting paid. That civilian complaint is going to tarnish and stain the police office and the cops' record. And you know what's going to happen? When this person of interest is on the street and has another encounter with this particular police officer or his or her team or neighboring police officers, they're not going to interact with this person of interest because they know police officers, cops talk. Listen, oh, this guy made a lawsuit. It, uh, this guy got paid 50000 on behalf of this particular cop. He got a substantiated civilian complaint. So what happens? So now these cops are hands-off with this particular perpetrator. It's almost like a get-out-of-jail-free card. And I've seen it time and time again. It's disgusting. It's exactly what's going on. Yeah, and, and just to back up on the comment, they need to know that their elected officials and their supervisors stand behind them. First off, no one knows that our elected officials stand behind us. And that goes for fucking all of them. That goes for the GOP. That goes for all of them. They they come out and they're, and they're your friend when it's time to be a friend. And then when it's not anymore, they're sitting there holding hands with Eric Adams saying how fucking great him and Phil Banks are. You know, and Phil Banks has been making a lot of appearances lately, finding that very strange, right? Or did anybody else think that that's weird, that all of a sudden he's out in the public shaking hands with all the GOP and the Democrats? I wonder what that's about. But we'll see. I guess we'll see down the road, right? But, you know, and then how about their supervisors? What, are their supervisors going to be there like their supervisors in like James O'Neill was for Danny Panaleo? Is their supervisor going to be there like Ken Corey was for all the guys that got fired under his reign for, for a fucking illegal vaccine mandate? Are their supervisors going to be there that even though the court over fucking turned it, that they, the NYPD in the city, that their supervisors really went to bat for people? They That's how these guys feel, that they were told – Pregnant women take this experimental thing. It'll be fine. That's how they feel. Their their supervisor is going to be there for them. And just like Eric said, they bow to these lefties every time. Every time. they will, Oh, yeah, we're going to go out and force crime. But just don't do it here. Oh, just don't do it. As long as no one complains, though. As long as nobody gets upset. As long as the council member, the 23-year-old council member who wants to abolish the police doesn't get upset, you know, then then it's okay because, you know, God forbid my CO doesn't get fucking deputy inspected and make an extra $2,000 every year, you know? 
It's a joke. It literally is. And the boroughs, same thing. And all the way up to the mayor. Oh, these city council people. I'm sorry. These people are a bunch of wackos. They're living at home with their cats. These are not normal people. I'm sorry they're in office. But this is why you people need to vote. This is why it is because we have wackos. So and then here he goes on, Corey, and he gives his we're going to hear brilliant. We're going to hear brilliant policing right now. This is where it gets to the the best. We're going to write a book based on this. Corey said Big Apple crime would rapidly decline if the state's soft on crime bail reform laws were toughened. Listen to my mind. A simple tweak of the law, he said, give judges the discretion to hold dangerous offenders and crime in New York plummets and it doesn't come down gradually. We know who drives the crime in New York City, and we continue to arrest them over and over and over again, he continued. You put those people in jail, and crime will drop. Now, I agree with the last part, right? I agree. The Pareto distribution always goes 10% of the workers do 90% of the work. Just like you see in the NYPD, 90% of you are doing shit. 10% of you are doing everything. And that same for the violent, the overwhelming majority of violent crime in New York City. A very small percentage of those violent offenders are on the street, but they're not being held accountable for their actions. And yes, keep those people in jail. Keep those people in jail and violent crime will come down a little bit because I don't think that they're even going to they're going to continue to have the DAs drop cases against them so they're never even going to meet the effects of bail reform like we've always talked about time and time again they're going to have numerous cases that are dropped that never get to trial that forget about people getting remanded and they'll be walking out on the street so if you tweak that the quality of life issues remain in New York City the minor crimes remain in New York City the grand larceny the fucking assaults the burglaries all of these things will still continue to rise in New York City with just a simple tweak of the law. The, what, what do you think about that? Oh, first of all, we know this is a complete farce. This, this whole thing is ridiculous. Let's not even talk about the bail reform right now. Let's talk about civilian complaint review board. And I can tell you this, that we know that right now, if you're a proactive police officer, you're a proactive cop, exactly what you say, you're on the 10% of the job that's doing 90% of the work, your record's going to be pepped up. So if you actually have a particular perpetrator, a person of interest, a subject that you arrested for a firearm, a legal firearm, and you had a, a stop, a stop, an encounter based on levels of intrusion that led to an arrest, when this goes to a suppression hearing, this is going to a Wade hearing, a MAP hearing, or a Huntley hearing, or eventually this is going to go to trial, they're going to have what's called jiggly material. And the jiggly material is, is actually to discredit the police officer. So they're going to bring up the police officer's civilian complaint record. And the civilian complaint record actually is utilized by the defense so that they could discredit, discredit the police officer so that the case gets dismissed or suppressed. And then this firearm never sees indictment. And so what happens? They end up getting a misdemeanor. And then they settle out to some type of dis, dis, disorderly conduct. And again, here you have. You get particular perpetrators who've been arrested 20 and 30 times, and they've only had two convictions to their record. So they have to say a simple tweak is going to resolve it. Absolutely not. I mean, if we go down this rabbit hole, we could talk about this for days. There is numerous instances. First of all, with the body cameras, again, the district attorney's office, what expects the police office to be the most perfect human being to capture 
every single thing that they see with their trained eye on the body camera. And if they don't, then it's not believable and there's no credibility in order to, to pursue and prosecute these arrests in court. They usually don't even make it past the suppression hearing. So this is absolutely ridiculous to say that just a tweak in the law, right? When, when uh, Giuliani, when Giuliani first implemented the broken windows theory, at the time, there was a there was a, a, a better nexus between the courts and the police department, and there was an understanding that when you had low level crimes, that they would actually there would actually be fines that people would be uh, would would be uh, felt by it. There would be actually jail time. It could be just spending a night in jail for a low-level crime. That's not happening right now. But also, what the police department does a great job, and I, I see this going with Kenneth Corey in this particular article, is the police department does a great job of always pointing blame at others. And they and they've always they love to point blame at the bail reform. And yes, the bail reform is definitely a contributing factor to the rise of crime, but it's definitely not the only factor. And there's numerous other contributing factors that are leading to crime and have continued to sunk this city in the dire strait that it's in right now. And it's just not the bail reform. The police department needs to examine within of what's going on. They have untrained, inadequate police officers, and they also do not have the tools to utilize anyway. Marijuana is legalized. To get into a car, I don't even know how you get into a car anymore to get, to, to get an illegal firearm. When you encounter someone in the street, if it's not completely captured on the body camera, they might they may never make a pass the suppression hearing. And also, what these judges are doing are destroying the police officers because the police officers are having a difficult time to explain, articulate their encounters because the entire thing is not captured on the body camera. Because that's reality. You may be facing, you may be facing, you may be in a position where you're perpendicular to your adversary, to the person of interest, to the perpetrator, and the body camera does not count, uh, capture all the events, the sequence of events that lead to the arrest. And also, the district attorney's office. The jury of your peers do not have the trained eye that you have and not going to see what's on that body camera. So there's a laundry list of, of things that need to be done to get to a point where we can actually reduce crime. But to say that just a tweak would drop it dramatically is absolutely ridiculous because I, we could debunk it right now. They have major cases going on, numerous takedowns. They just had a gang takedown as we speak. I think it was about a week ago where you and I talked on a podcast where they just glorified a takedown where a three-year-old baby was, uh, had gotten shot as a result of it. But why, and here's the problem, and I said this, why they need anti-crime back. And even without the, uh, the tools that we have right now, the anti-crime police officers are encountering these persons of interest on a constant basis while they're out committing the crimes. If we have major cases just investigating these people and there's no proactive police work, they just continue their wrath and they can do whatever they want. And there's absolutely no recourse. Oh yeah, it's 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 actually laughable that anyone could actually just say, "Oh, just a tweak in the bail reform, the discovery law, the clean slate act, the the raise the age." There's so many laws that need adjusting, but right off the bat, what Eric's saying, cops have no tools. Anybody that's a proactive cop, they're re- they're they're self-reporting their own complaints. That their record for being proactive is being used against them to discredit them. So that and the case is never even going. And this is not for fucking low-level offenses. This is for people shooting people. Ninety percent of gun crimes. Go back. Look at my tweets. 
the Brooklyn comms director for the DA's office just happened to jump on one of my tweets when I said something about the Brooklyn DA. And I just asked them for some simple data. I said, how many people were arrested in the year 2020 and the year 2019, 2020, 2021 and 2022? How many were arrested for guns? How many of those were charged? Of those, how many were remanded? Of those, how many actually received jail time? You know what he tells me? I don't have that data. You know why he doesn't have that data? Because he has that fucking data because that's his fucking job, first of all. That's the only thing he does. He's not releasing that data because when you see that data, your jaw is going to be on the floor because everyone's everyone's crushing Alvin Bragg right now. Go look in Brooklyn. Go look in the Bronx. Go look in Staten Island. Go look in Queens. They're all fucking doing the same thing. They're throwing cases out. So this is a dishonest conversation. Yes, it'll help a little. That little tweak will help a little. But and then and then let's go one further. Oh, all the judges in New York City are great people. So there's some fucking lefty lib. There's a bunch of them in New York that that'll let people that'll let murderers walk around on the street just because you know I don't I don't I don't like the cop that locked them up. I don't I don't know. I just I don't know. I don't think it's right. I'm I'm a decarceral judge. So anyway, Corey as a cadet who joined the NYPD as a cadet in 1988 acknowledged that some only some B cops might be feeling some frustration that criminals they have busted for low-level offenses are back out on the street before the ink is dry. But again, he doesn't acknowledge the fact that there's people carrying illegal firearms, which is not a low-level offense, people out for shooting fucking people, which is not a low-level offense, people out for burglary, larceny, fucking these people all stealing your catalytic converters. How many of you got your catalytic converter or know someone that's got a catalytic converter stolen in New York City? But, oh, don't worry, they passed the law now. You can't sell them in New York City. So they'll just drive over the fucking bridge and fucking sell it. It's not going to stop anything. Catalytic converters are still going to be on the rise. You can mark my words with that one. So, um... So, you know, they're back out on the street only for low level. So, again, he won't even acknowledge that people that are are violent repeat offenders are being out. This is not leadership. This is not honesty. This is not. Yeah. You know what? You might be a great guy. You're, you're a terrible leader. Like I, you're terrible, terrible. Oh, but he'll, he'll probably get man of the year. Or I'm sure he's got numerous plaques talking about his, his fantastic leadership and and praise, and, 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 and he's getting walked out and memorialize his career and thank him on the way out. I, listen, what I tell you, I always learned uh, in the Marine Corps, they would always say, when, when you're in a position of leadership, immediately, when you take over, you have to show your mark. You have to make immediate changes to show that you belong there and that you are a true leader. And then on your way out, you always have to make changes to show that you left your mark there and you left for the better. When you're the successor, or when you're the successor, you're supposed to take on the leadership that was held before you and keep making improvements. And then the next person that comes after him is supposed to do the same. But exactly what you said with the Blaza era, every time we get someone in leadership, they're just tanking and things are getting are going for the worse. They're not getting better. And again, and, and I think it's because they're spewing out lies, and because we have eventually we're going to unveil the curtain, and, what, and what's going to be behind the curtain? Either I'm, I'm going to suspect that Kenneth Corey has a son or daughter that's about to go on the job, or which may be even likely, maybe he's in a position to get. I mean, you just put out a, a great tweet about 
some some uh, some people that have retired that are getting three hundred some odd thousand dollars as a pension, and their information is not is not being released. It's hidden because they're getting uh, another type of uh, income from the city, so they're going to get two pensions. So maybe he's going to be in that position. I don't know. Maybe he's he's up for some some other job. I don't know. Clearly, there's definitely something that's going on behind this curtain that he's putting out these lies. It, it's completely obvious. And, and we're not fools, and we're not we're not we're not going to be blind for this. Well, Absolutely. they all. Do. I mean, they all do it, though. I mean, look at Fox. He was out at the Thanksgiving Day Parade, right? Taking pictures with Eric Adams. Oh, my good friend. Meanwhile, they all would say, "Tell you he was a fucking horrible cop," and they're all sucking up to him now. Even Esposito, by the way, who is a commissioner again. So you know, so even that, you know what I mean? Like you gonna you gonna go work for this guy? Like everybody? Oh, just put me on, Eric. I'm sorry, I tried to fire you when you were fucking captain. You know. It's it's a joke. It, it really is. It's it's a complete joke, and you know that's that's the point of this podcast is you know let them go out in the media, tell you every bunch of bullshit because the truth is out there. Everyone sees it. Everyone knows it. And by the way, it's not some beat cops. It's everyone in the fucking job. Even people in inside positions are like, "What the fuck is going on?" And like you said, yeah, they they they, they had to do something, make some type of improvement. They improved crime. Crime has risen. They improved quality of life. It has <laughs> dropped. They had they improved morale. Morale's on the floor. Fucking. They improved the retirement. Fucking rate has went up. The fucking people that leave have went up. Oh, recruitment. They've done a great job. Recruitment's down 60%. It's a great job. Thank you. You're the man of the year. I, I, I really I want to appreciate all you guys for staying silent and holding the line. And I, want, I especially want to give a big shout-out to all the white chiefs and all the white police commissioners who have been pushing a racist diversity push without even being able to explain it. They can't even explain it properly because, again, the most underrepresented community in new york city the most underrepresented community in the nypd it takes the longest for them to get promoted you send zero dollars in recruiting to recruit in their neighborhoods and you could give a shit less about these people so it ain't about it ain't about diversity it's about discrimination it's a it's a discriminant it's it is we're pushing a racist agenda that in law that on the bylaws of even the patrol guide promotions based upon race and you're pushing it as a white guy. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Oh, and he's going to go out on the way and tout and I guarantee he's going to tout Eric Adams' leadership and thank him. Thank him for kicking him in the ass and fucking sending him on his way. You know? Thank thank me, you know. Um so he says he goes on to say we've had multiple examples where uh Officers make an arrest. They issue a desk appearance ticket, which is the law that currently requires. And then while they're still doing the paperwork, a, a different team of officers is walking that same person back into the station in handcuffs for a new crime. I mean, you can imagine that's frustrating and demoralizing at the same time. Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> and, and, and what has but meanwhile he he praised he praised the cops for working harder and smarter than ever before trumpeting a 27 increase in felony arrest compared to the same period last year it's a 27 percent increase in felony arrest though dim oh it's absolutely ridiculous i mean i can tell you this what i saw in the latter part of my career especially uh in this area here Prior to this, we used to 
doing anti-crime, you had to work. You really had to understand the levels of intrusion. You had to do a great job as a team doing surveillance. You had to have that, that trained eye, that observation skill. And when we would encounter someone with a legal firearm, we knew that we got a violent perpetrator and we got someone that was ready to use it. And, and we knew during that time in, the, in, the, in, most, in most of my career that when we encountered someone with a legal firearm, we saved someone's life. The, perp- the perpetrators understood the nature of the law. When there was a time, if you remember, if you were getting caught with a legal firearm, you were looking at a minimum of three years, three years time in New York, in New York State. And what we saw with this bail reform, and, and I saw it clearly, we started to get persons of interest, suspects, subjects on the street that we encountered. They were in possession of illegal firearms. They, some of these guys never had a record before. They were people that were arrested for various crimes, but they weren't they weren't gun perps. They weren't perpetrators that carried firearms, but now they were carrying firearms. And for most of the times that we encounter these type of suspects, and that usually the inquisition that we got from them was you're still you're actually stopping people. We thought that you, you know, they felt that the stop question error and the stop question first error was removed. And, and that's you know, and, and that's that was the perception. And they actually felt that because it was, in a sense, that they were, the cops were much far more removed. It was only a handful of anti-crime teams and certain proactive police officers that were actually still engaging people. Why? Because civilian complaint was peppering up records, and we were getting far removed from it. So, of course, the felony rates are going to be uh, increased as far as felony arrest. For one, we have more takedowns going on. We're arresting people that are we're arresting people that maybe uh, prior to bail reform, they'd be arrested for certain crimes and it would be a misdemeanor. But but since they're out and they're constantly getting released, they're now recidivists, they're multiple offenders. So they're getting charged with three or four different counts. And now it's been bumped up to a felony. So, I, I mean, to say that you know, there's 27% more felony arrested is actually uh, making a change. <clears throat> it's just absolutely ridiculous. And, and it just doesn't coincide. Everyone's carrying guns right now. I mean, I remember towards the end, I was saying to myself, I remember I said to the cops, I know, I always took pride in the cops understanding case law and that they had that trained eye, that observation skill. But towards the end, we said, wow, even if you don't have that eye, you can still get so many gun arrests. I mean, everyone was carrying. It was just complete comfort. There was no worry. And what we found towards the end, the, the perpetrators that we counted, they weren't trying to hide it anymore anyway. We used to have perpetrators that would hide it on their neck, on chains. They would hide it in, in their waist. They would hide it in their crotch. They hide it. In, they would hide it in their shoes. But towards the end, the holster that we, that we encountered, the holster for the persons, the perpetrators that we dealt with, was a fanny pack slung right across the chest with the firearm ready to go, because yep. they didn't think they were going to get stopped and encountered. Yep. Every time you see a fanny pack in New York City. There's a very high chance there's a fucking firearm in there, and that's any. And I'll be honest with you. Every time I'm there, I'm back now. That's even for the last three years. I've been saying that. I walk in stores. I'm I'm ready to go because I fucking see what's going on. And you can see it. We've had videos where there's been a shooting and multiple people reaching their fanny pack that are uninvolved to pull out a gun. We've we've seen that numerous times in numerous police videos. And what uh, you know, and just to piggyback on what Eric's saying is, you know. Here they are touting the arrests. Oh, the arrests are up. The arrests are up. And, you know, you hear Eric Adams talk about all the guns he got off the street. Oh, we got all these guns. 
Let me let, let me explain it very simply for you. That is a fucking failure. Because when me and Eric were cops, people didn't carry guns. They carried a gun to shoot someone or to make a drug transaction. Other than that, they were afraid to come out and carry a gun. We've had wiretaps where people would say how they would drive around New York City because they didn't want to get fucking stopped because they knew we would stop them. People didn't carry guns. There's an emboldened sense in New York City now that you're not going to get stopped. And like Eric's saying, it, it, it's getting to the point where pulling guns off of routine 911 calls with a non-intrusive police force. They're just showing up to jobs and there's fucking guns everywhere. It's a fucking failure. You're 27% arrest. What does that mean? So what? They were arrested and they were let four hours later and the fucking DA did nothing anyway? What does that mean? It's nothing. It's, it's, it's words. Oh, but we had a 27% increase. I'm sure they had to fucking pull that. You know, as a matter of fact, they're at a 21-year high. So the last time we made this many major arrests was in 2001, he said. Although, uh, and uh, speaking of 2001, we're back to grand larceny levels of 2001. So congratulations, 2001. He said, although we have to keep in mind that back in 2001, we had 15,000 more crimes that took place than we do today. They also took a lot more reports than they do today, too. You guys have been shit-canning a lot of shit, and I've been hearing a lot about it. So, And and we had about 9,000 more police officers out there as well. So fewer police officers with less crime still making out more of the arrest for that crime. So, you know, that's the only thing they got. And that whole thing, I, I that whole statement could be debunked. Honestly, uh, other than that, other than that, there were 9000 more police officers back then. So that's why you're seeing a, another huge uptick. Another thing we don't even have the presence that we once had. Right. What's what's the message today? Where are the fucking cops? Where are they? Oh, don't worry. They're on Twitter. They're singing in a fucking band. They're doing something else like they're doing everything else. You know, Um so, and then they go on to the crime statistics. Still, the latest NYPD stats updated Sunday showed nearly a 28% increase in, in seven major felony crime categories compared to the same period last year, from 88,394 to 112 total incidents. Grand larceny, grand larceny, auto, burglary saw the biggest jump during that period. However, murders are down. And again, I'm just going to say it again. It's pure fucking luck. They don't have one strategy that they could rely on to sit there and say why that is. Do, do you agree? Do you agree with that statement, Eric? You know, it, it's funny. It's funny when they say this. I mean, we can have shootings up. There'll be seventeen shootings in, in a particular location as a propensity for violence. And a year prior, there was ten shooting. There was uh, there was ten shootings there, but we only had one homicide. But this. First of all, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. 87% of gunshot wounds are survivable. 87% of gunshot wounds are survivable. So if, if we have 10 people shot, but, all, but nine of them survive, is that a win? Apparently. They don't talk, apparently. <laughs> apparently that's a win. Yeah. Well, they also failed to mention that our system, they, you know, usually when they compare murders, they love to compare homicides from present day till 1991, when it was at the height of the homicides. But what they don't tell people is this. The system that we have set up now is so much better. 
than it was years ago. First of all, you have 87% chance of surviving a gunshot wound. But also, and this is why it's hard to do, but we tell the police officers, God forbid you're with a cop, your partner, or someone on your team, and they get shot. We all want to help. And what's the first, your first inclination is take that cop, throw him in the back of an RP, and drive him to the hospital. And they've actually done studies. And that actually decreases the likelihood of survivability for that cop. Why? Because when you put someone in ambulance, and the ambulance has a direct line to the operating room at the hospital. So while someone's being put in an ambulance with a gunshot wound, the operating room is already being set up. So once that person gets to the hospital, they go right to the operating room, and the survivability increases dramatically. And that's why we're at an 87% survivability rate for gunshot wounds. So this is absolutely ridiculous to compare. Murders are down. And, and I don't think that's a win. You know, just like I, I used to train my guys, I used to teach them. i say, okay, we would have fake firearms. And I would say, okay, I'm pointing a firearm at you. You're part, pointing a firearm at me. I'm the perpetrator. You're the police officer. On the count of three, one, two, three, go. We're going to shoot each other. And you tell me who wins. And the cops, we would do it, and the cops, oh, you won, or so so won. And I would say, stop, at the end of that, I said, listen, no one wins. You should not get shot at work. Your goal should be to go home with the same way that you went to work with no holes in you. That's not a win. It's the same thing with this. If we have 17 people shot in a particular location and 16 of them survive, that's not a win. And that's exactly what they're saying. They're selling a life to the public. And you said it also. Sometimes it's just luck. 87% of gunshot wounds are survival. Usually, the ones that meet the demise, it's an execution style. Someone walks up and shoots someone in the head. Or some, you know, sometimes we get these freak incidents where someone gets shot with a low-caliber uh, low cal- low bullet, and it travels through the arm and goes to the heart. But in most cases, it actually is survivable. So I, I don't think that's a win. And I'm going to debunk that. That's factual information. If they want to look it up, I challenge them to look it up, and they know it. Yeah, and they and I just thought another thing, shooting incidents. I don't. There doesn't need to be a victim, right? So, like, what what is what are those numbers? It's conveniently left out here. What are those numbers of incidents, and how many of those go unreported when there's not a shot spotter or they can't find shell casings? You know, how many of those go unreported? You know, look at uh, do a little quick audit, run the nine one one fucking calls. You know, um, so and then they go on to transit crimes up thirty five percent, like we said. Um, but then Corey says the force knows. So the force, he's talking about the men and women at NYPD. So th- you guys know he, Commissioner Keechan Sewell, and Mayor Eric Adams stand behind them. And cops are getting more comfortable with tackling quality of life issues. And we see those incidents continuing to increase week after week. But it's going to take time. We didn't get in that position overnight. And there's no easy fix for it. So and I and I, and I keep laughing with all with all these like police guys, all these experts. We didn't get here overnight. So tell us how we got here. Tell us, was it just bail reform? Because that's the only thing that he fucking spoke on. It's the only thing he spoke on. So how like what do you mean we just got here? You know, we didn't get there overnight. Yeah, great. So what was it? What brought us there? Are you saying that maybe your elected officials did a lot more damage than you're letting on to and you're just unwilling to fucking have the conversation. What else is there? Because and and I'll say it again, it's not just the elected officials. There's NYPD policy 
right now that needs to fucking change, especially the stop policy. These stupid fucking cards that Eric Adams put into place, everything that's been put in place, bail reform, the NYPD policy, the CCRB policy, everything has been put in place to deter proactive policing and to fire proactive cops. And nobody could tell me any different. You are 100 percent, I tell you, dead on. Dead on, it's exactly what it's about, is getting rid of these proactive police officers, getting rid of these proactive cops, getting rid of the cops that are part of the tier two, getting rid of the cops that are under the Bloomberg era, and transitioning to these de Blasio-type cops. It's just just completely ridiculous to think that these cops that were trained under the de Blasio era are going to go out and address quality of life when they don't even have the quality of life issues to address. They don't have those tools on the table, and they don't even know how to do it. I mean, it, it, it's completely laughable. I remember in the last year of my career when they transitioned the neighborhood coordination offices to stop going out and giving out ice cream, and they had these police officers. They turned them into a conditions unit, which means they're supposed to go out and address conditions. What's the what's conditions for the public? It's exactly that. In a particular location, a precinct narrowed down to a building, what? is the condition in that precinct that is affecting the residents in that area. It could be burglaries, which is a serious crime. I think that's what Ken Corey is trying to address, a serious crime. But it could be something low level. It could just be some people that are urinating in a hallway. It could be people that have loose dogs. It could be guys that are just sleeping in the stairwell of a building. And how do these cops address it? They don't even know how to address it. First of all, all the tools that they have are decriminalized. You can't even arrest someone for disorderly conduct right now. If you have a large crowd out there, you have people inciting a riot, and we've seen this, we debunked it when we spoke about the incident in Times Square where these cops are getting corralled by a large crowd. If you actually put these people in handcuffs, they're not going to jail. All you're getting is a civilian complaint, and you're getting a lawsuit. So it's better to be hands-off. So to think that these cops that don't even know how to meet violence with violence, and they have no clue about doing engagement, community, I call that community engagement, when you actually address the people making arrests and summonses, it's not going to happen. I remember towards the end of my career, also, we had a focus group, and they were asking, I, I was actually part of this focus group, and they were asking us how we felt about the neighborhood coordination officers, where we should be headed to, how should we utilize these police officers, and, and I thought it was laughable. First of all, those police officers need to go back to the academy, they need to get retrained, and they need veteran cops to teach them how to do police work. Those veteran cops are gone, they've been demoralized and removed by the vaccine or they've been demoralized and pepping up with their careers for some other point or they just had enough and they vested out or they hit retirement and they want no part of this anymore. So who's going to teach them? Kenneth Corey, are you going to teach them? Clearly not. And I, I got one better for you. On a November 28th article comes out, right? Uh, what's today? Is today the 28th? Sure is. So today is the 28th. A November 28th, 2022 article comes out. Um, post again. Amanda Woods again. Amanda is writing about an interview of Key Chan Sewell. The city's top cops Monday ripped the state bail system, noting a suspect tar- targeted 21 victims, was arrested 21 times, and then freed without bail over over for crime for a crime over the weekend, and was busted two more times the next day. Judges need to have the ability to determine if someone is a public safety threat to the community. 
and to determine if a person who is a recidivist can be given bail. NYPD Commissioner Key Chan Sewell said. So, I mean, look again. Look at this again. Like, this is, again, just pointing at the bail reform, which is fucking horrific. I'm not going to sit here and say it's not horrific. Is, is that a wrong point? Is she wrong? Is Ken Corey wrong? No, they're not wrong, but they're fucking redirecting a conversation because there's 20 other things that are wrong. But by the way, what the fuck are you doing about it? So what are you doing about it? Like, okay, that's an obstacle that you have to deal with. As So what's your plan? Oh, you don't have one. Oh, okay. So obviously there's no leadership here. Either uh, we're handcuffed, and if we're handcuffed, it's for way more than we're handcuffed for the fucking bail reform. There's way more stuff that, that needs to get addressed than just that. That is not the issue. The, ma- the matter of fact that we're locking someone up 21 times, two times in, in the following day. I mean, there's a lot more than just bail reform there. There's a lot more. There's fucking DAs, and there's the DAs that need to change. And again... Our style of policing needs to change. Our tactics need to change. Our policy needs to change. And you haven't done any of that. And you're the police commissioner. And guess what? If Eric Adams is going to say you can't change policy, you need to get the approval of Phil Banks, then guess what? You're not the police commissioner. And you're not the fucking chief of department. And you people aren't leaders. So – that's it. And you, nobody deserves a fucking award. And that's no knock on. It's no knock on you. It's the knock on all of you. All of you are going out at your fucking award ceremonies. Man of the year. Woman of the year. Person of the year. I don't think anything of the year. I think you you have led the police department. You were giving a title. You're being lauded with a title that you've done, that you've failed it. You, you haven't exhibited leadership. Oh, I, I point at the bail reform. Oh, bail reform. So should I, if I'm the police commissioner, can I – Eric Adams, appoint me the police commissioner before you put Banks in. Maybe another year will go by. Maybe another year will go by and everyone will forget he's an unindicted co-conspirator. You could have the, the, you could have the media more on his side at that time. Put me in there, and then I'll just do the same thing. Bail reform needs to change. Judges need to have discretion. Is that acceptable? Is, is this acceptable? Would any company allow this? No. I'm really confused, honestly. I'm really confused by all this because I thought I thought I was intelligent. And I remember Eric Adams came out and said that he has the blueprint to fix all this. And I, I don't know. I, I think I'm fooled here because I'm waiting to see this blueprint. He said he's got the blueprint to fix all the crime issues. Even with the bail reform, he said he had the blueprint. I haven't seen it yet. Maybe, I, maybe I'm missing something. He said he's got it. Where is it? I want to see it. Oh no, he put the blue he put the blueprint out. He put it out. I mean, but it was all paper. I mean, it was really I'll show it to you. It was all fucking paper. It took him a month. Everybody was like, oh no, he just gotta give him some time. And I'm like, I don't know, Eric, if you if you ran for mayor, would you have your crime plan and your crime strategy down prior to you entering office pro- while you were campaigning? Or would you wait to see if you won first and then and then take a month and then just grab the guy before you's plan and just change some fucking words. <laughs> what would oh, you no, do? I, just, I, I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm actually being facetious because I read the blueprint. Oh yeah. Actually, no, yeah. It, it, this whole thing's ridiculous. I mean, Kenneth Corey, he should get failure of the year. 
uh, Keisha Sewell, same thing. Listen, I, I heard such great things about her. But you know what? It's unfortunate. Right now, she's in a position sandwiched between Banks and, 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 and the mayor. And she's just there as, as uh, unfortunately, she's there as a face. And, and, and it's unfortunate because, and we know, I, I've seen her speak at different conferences. And I say to myself, we all have those observation skills. It's not genuine. I, I never saw her actually just speak from the heart. It's always it's always some uh, paper that she's reading from the paper. It's it's she's citing a poem. She's citing something that was written for her. I, I want to see something genuine. I want to see her come out and actually talk about what she's learned, how she can compare it from when she was in charge in Nassau, where she's at now, how she sees the vision for the department. What is her vision? That's what I would like to say. But clearly, she has not put it out there. She hasn't had an opportunity to speak up, and clearly she hasn't shown that she wants to counteract that, which makes me believe, again, just like Kenneth Corey, what is behind her curtain? Does she have offspring we need to know about? I, I heard she doesn't have any kids. I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe she does. That are coming on the job. Or maybe when she's tired of being the puppet, that she's going to be put in somewhere, uh, some other type of position. Maybe it's probably not going to be with the NYPD somewhere else. Again, that's another curtain that will be unveiled I don't know where she's going, but I'm pretty confident she's going to go somewhere, which is why she hasn't spoke out. So she just keep reading from some script, and that's going to be her legacy. I, I, it's a shame, but what if you? If I had to ask you, John, if if uh, Commissioner Sewell retired today, if she left, and we said former Commissioner Sewell, tell me something you remember that she implemented, something you remember about her, what would it be? Go. That she suspended uh, Sergeant Dana Martillo for having a political, what could be uh, constituted as a political message on her vest, which was a Trump sticker that said, make enforcement Trump, make enforcement great again, 2020. I Actually, I wore that towards the end of my career. Also, I wore that during the riots as well on my vest. Um, and it's a sticker of the Punisher head with that. So she did that. So she suspended her for 10 days, and I'm sure she'll probably get 60 in a year for that. But she completely ignored the numerous black officers who stood in solidarity with BLM and put their fist in the air and and wore BLM stuff. That's not a political message. And she completely didn't do anything to any of the numerous active white supervisors who were on this job who showed us that the NYPD no longer controls crowds but the crowd controls us and they kneeled when they were told to kneel and they knelt. And then they had rookies kneeling behind them because they saw their leaders doing it. And, you know, I, when I first saw the thing, when I first saw Monahan kneel, I was fucking furious. I was furious. I was like, this is fucking bullshit. But then I, 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 I like, I, I back off it a little and I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, you know, the guy's the chief of the department, you know, he was a hard charger his whole career. Um, yes, he fucking works with the Blasio, you know, and I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, maybe, you know, he's doing it for the benefit of the city. But I mean, we fucking, it was real symbolic, that thing. He took a fucking knee, and then you had all the underlings sucking up to him, taking a knee, and then you had cops sucking up to his underlings, taking a knee, and it was real symbolic of where we are now, 
where the crowd fucking controls us. And I, I mean, I, I don't know, man. Like, so political messages are okay if you agree with the left. Political messages are not okay if you if you're on the right. So if if you're like Sal Greco. You you button up with uh, your friends with Donald Trump and your friends with Roger Stone. You're getting fired. If you're on the left and you're friends with Jamani Williams, who's who's a race baiter and spewing anti-police rhetoric, you're fine. You could say whatever you want. You could make up lies about the department. You could do unauthorized media interviews. You could start all of these racist pro pro um, pro positioning color and race and creed and doing all of these things without issue as long as as long as you're on the left as long as you're on the left you could do all of that if you're on the right do not you dare do not you dare put a fucking stupid thing on your vest because you're going to get suspended this is a warning admonish to me other than that i don't know one fucking thing that she's done and and that's how she will end her reign. Her reign will be short. Her and Ken Corey will be skipping off to La La Land somewhere. I guarantee <laughs> they'll be working somewhere in the future very shortly. And you know, South Jamaica Queens, baby, we're gonna we're gonna be running the police department, and that's and that's what we're seeing right now. That's that's exactly what's gonna happen. I mean, Jeff Madry is gonna take over as the chief of department. Um, I you know. Say what you want. I think he again. I I you know I met him a few times. I think he's a nice guy. I think he's a great guy. Doesn't mean anything about. Doesn't mean that he deserves to lead the police department. I'll tell you right now. If I had his record and I was a chief, I would never be named in a three star chief. Or if I was a high ranking inspector, his off duty records abysmal. You know, m- many people. His nickname is Chief Charges. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean. He's had charges more than Eric Depp. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) At least, at least my one for the civilian viewpoint. I mean, (laughs) he's got a colorful record. I mean, we've heard in the past when people talk about getting charged. Well, listen, it wasn't as much as Magic got. Don't worry. I think you're pretty good. So if he can make it to Chief, I mean, it sure clears the pathway for everybody else. And I think that's my argument. You know, I got plenty of sets of charges from the civilian player viewpoint. I got passed over to Captain. But here, uh, Maggie's going to, you know, obviously going to be chief of the department. I mean, his, uh, his detective is just rolled right off the tongue. They must have been talking about this for, for months. <laughs> I mean, it just, just came out so natural. Well, I think he's been the chief of the department. I mean, you've seen him at every incident. He's been speaking at every incident. He walks hand in hand with Eric Adams everywhere. I mean, that's been since since before the summer. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, oh, we've seen that. You know, Ken Corey has really not been in the spotlight until now that he's leaving. You know, they didn't want to kick him out too early. They waited, oh, let's almost get you a year, and then you get out, you know. Um, but that whole appointment, you know, people said it from the beginning. He was out. Like, he was he was out before he ever, he ever got in. Was that how long he was chief of the department? It was a year? Yeah, it was only a year. He got named on the Adams. Adams stepped in in January. Adams stepped when he stepped in. January, it's January 1st. He comes his first day is the 5th something. What was it? And then, and then, and then Ken gets named. He gets named chief of department. Right, it's not even a year. Oh, it's, it's, I, I, you know, I, I'm still thinking about this, 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 this girl that got suspended for having this. What, what was it now? It was just one, one of those things that you put on your vest. Hold on, hold on, I'm gonna get it. Hold on. <laughs> you have it. 
I mean, that's it. That's, that's all it is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, and, and that's the other problem. We talk about we we talk about this all the time on the job at, that the policies when it comes to violations are written so vague so that the department can manipulate in any manner that they want. What is a political statement? What uh, makes that a what makes that a political statement? Honestly. Make enforcement great again. I, I don't. I don't even think that it does say Trump, but you know, like everyone will always accuse me of being, oh, I'm a MAGA guy. But you never see me post any of that shit. I'm not like MAGA, ultra MAGA, this MAGA. I don't give a fuck about any of these guys, really. You know. Um, but how is that a political statement? I I don't know how that's different from me throwing my fist in the air. I don't know how that's different from me taking a knee. I, I would say those other things are much worse than having a fucking sticker because so is 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 wearing a clothing line political. If I wore a Balenciaga shirt right now, is that political because they came out with all with all the kitty porn? No, police department wouldn't tell me anything. Right. Oh, I'm supporting Balenciaga because they like they like child mutilation and pedophiles. So the, the job was support that's, that's me. a very good point. That's a very good point that you, you brought that up. I mean. I, I just think that I think that kneeling down is by far much more of a political statement than it is in wearing a patch on your vest. I mean, we, we even we can even prove it right now because who's that idiot that keeps trolling you that that made a mockery of taking a knee? Because he actually sent it to you on a tweet. Why well, you know, maybe it's time for you to take a knee. So that shows about the politics. Who was that idiot? Uh, Brannigan? Oh, Brennan, Justin Brennan. <laughs> right. Fuck I mean, him. he made a mockery of a political statement. That's a political statement. I mean, to wear a patch. I mean, what's next? I mean, could 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 you wear a patch of Mount Rushmore? Would that be a political statement? I mean, I don't know. Would it be okay to wear a, a patch with, with Abraham Lincoln? I, I, like you said, because it, it, it feeds the left. I mean, what? Could I wear a patch with FDR because he came out with the New Deal? I mean, I- yeah, I, uh, FDR, you'd be fine. Lincoln, you don't know because he right. really he was a Republican. They like That's to true. say that they like to say that the party of Lincoln, but they're really not. Um, but yeah, I mean, and again, I just again, like, I'm not saying that she didn't deserve a CD or to or to be like a you know, smart up or talking to or something. But again, you're suspending her over a year later. For ten days, she's getting a harsh punishment. I mean, I, I for what, for what, for what, for fucking wearing a stupid thing. And and you know, I if you read it, she said they said that like she opened her shirt at the crowd and said, "Oh, it's freedom of speech." So if if that's the case, I mean, listen, you got you got hooked. It's stupid. Is it worthy of a ten day suspension? Absolutely not. Absolutely, right, the, pun- the punishment has to fit the crime. Absolutely not. I think it's it's over egregious. It's it's definitely on par with Sal Greco, and uh, and I hate to say it, um, but it just again it just appears that there's an attack on Italian Americans uh, within the police department, and I'm not Italian. I'm saying that I, because I keep seeing it. every time it's a white officer that's in some type of pickle, it seems to be an Italian police officer. It, it seems like there's an attack on Italian police officer. It really is. I, it's I think the Columbia Association needs to band together, really start to get some data on this. Well, well, they have no balls, so I mean, they're not gonna. So they literally, they don't. And, and you know, I'm a member, and I'm, you know, and I, and again, if you guys block me on social media, send me my money back, fucking, um, because 
you know, again, we saw on Columbus Day when it's not cool to say Columbus anymore because it's Indigenous People's Day. We saw that they hosted a parade. They had a girl from Fox News come out and they made her the person of the year. Right. And they didn't even fucking tweet about it. Not one. Not, I mean, nothing. They waited like a fucking day. They waited for the woke SBA now to, to put out that they were the first ones that did it. And, and and they only did it too because I started blasting people. I was like, is this a fucking joke or what? Like, I, I don't give a fuck about Christopher Columbus. I'm not going to sit there and have an argument with anybody about anything that happened in 1892. I don't know what fucking happened. He might be a much better person than all of you. I don't care. Here's my thing. Every other fucking, every other ethnicity gets to celebrate a holiday and gets a parade in New York City. Leave mine alone. That's it. I don't bother anybody else's. I agree. I just think, you know, when people talk about the atrocities with Columbus, I just think we can't compare. It's different times. Right? 1492, it was different times. I mean, if we actually talk about presidencies, it was different times. I mean, with different concerns. We look at Andrew Jackson and his his nickname was Old Hickory. The big thing back then was uh, how to fight the Indians. I mean, it was just a different time. It was different concerns. They even had duels back then. And this life was different. Andrew Jackson had a, had a bullet in his whole life because he had duels. They, they would line up and shoot each other over an argument. It's just different times you can't compare. Oh, it yeah. just doesn't make sense. But it's just a level of stupidity. You know, it's just a level of stupidity. I'm a better person than Christopher Columbus. You might have been fucking worse than him. You know, what? I'll tell you. And I'll tell you right now, I heard Jordan Peterson say it. You think you wouldn't have been a Nazi? You know, all these people that are anti-Nazis, you think you wouldn't have been? I guarantee New York City, you'd all be fucking Nazis. And I was telling people during COVID, I was like, if the Nazis were coming over right now on a boat, you motherfuckers would be sending your resume to them. So don't fucking sit here and tell me anything because you're all folding like little bitches. Oh, I got to I got to do it. Blah, 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 blah. And like and, that, and that's really how I feel. And that, I was fucking furious about that. I'm like, uh, here I am, an Italian-American. My grandfather came here, got treated like shit. My father fought two tours in Vietnam. He volunteered for he got shot. He won the Purple Heart, came back, got spit on, got treated like a piece of shit. Fucking never had a nickel to rub together. Got treated like an asshole by the police, by everyone around him, was treated as a minority. I was treated as a minority half of my life. I was considered a minority until the 2000s. I became the evil white man. And I and I never understood how that happened. And I'm like, and and when you're going to sit there, the, the point of these line organizations is for you to respect your – is for you your ethnicity to have a respect in inside of your organization and that holds true the hispanic society the vulcan society the shaman society even we even now even have the sexual orientation goal for the gay offices uh gay offices action league right um million any ethnicity you have shicks have their own uh uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Have their own, and and those organizations are important, but those organizations are supposed to ensure that you're not being discriminated against by your employer. And right now, what we're seeing is those organizations are set up is for the board of that organization to ensure that they're getting promoted and they're going to play silent. And even the fucking holy name too. You had Eric Adams firing people. For fucking, you had Eric Adams firing people for holding on to their faith, for quoting Bible verses like myself, pushing people out, and they brought him in to the Holy Day breakfast and named him Person of the Year. Fucking shame on you. Shame on all of you. Like, 
cowards. Those line organizations, I'm done with them. The only ones I have respect for are the Hispanic Society and, and the Vulcan Society because they protect their members. They look out for their members. They ask for their members to get promoted. They're the only real line organizations currently going on in the police department right now. They're the only one with balls enough to speak up. Everyone else has been silent. And that goes for the Asian Jade as well, too. I always loved going to their Christmas dinner, too. But that goes for you guys, too. You guys are getting crushed. I know you got a couple of good promotions now. But other than that, I mean, that's it. It was a very few, very few, very few deputy inspectors. You know, you got one chief on Staten Island. He got promoted for uh, sending, for re-forwarding emails. That's all the guy ever did his whole career. Email, email, email. And now he's the chief of Staten Island because of that. But he's not helping Asian officers. He's not helping the community. He's not helping anybody. The guy re-forwards emails. That's what he does. (laughs) Fucking... Dude, that's what he does. I'm I'm not kidding. He fucking follows emails. You know, I actually... Going back to what you said, I heard Jordan Peterson say that. uh, Jordan Peterson say that we would all be Nazis. You know what's scary is he's 100% right. I mean... With this mandate, they proved that you could force people and back them into a corner very easy. I mean, it, it was scary. I had people that were hell bent. They said they had religious beliefs just like you. And when push came to shove, I mean, uh, the injection went over, and then they, their beliefs yeah. did not. And it's, it's sad, but you're 100 right. And Jordan Peterson is right. We would all be all be Nazis. I have to question: Would I be too? I, I, I guess so. I, it's scary to think that, but I mean, they proved it. They can control us. They really yeah. could. Why they control it? Because because it, it's financial. And I and again, I'm not knocking the guys that that took it because it it is what it is, man. Like you know, you got to feed your kids. You know, you got to do what you got to do. But the the only way I was able to walk away is because I had set myself up for 18 years. That if some crazy shit happened, I would be able to pull the plug. I would be able to fest out and, and live and carry myself. And I always had other plans of what I could do. That was the only reason is because I, if you're not in the financial situation, and that's what they used for the vaccine mandate. It was always about compliance. And they knew if the, and, and the Bill de Blasio said it over and over again, take that check, take that check, take that health care fucking evil man i'm telling you i was i was always always a religious person i always believed in god i always believed that i spoke to god um but i and i think i did encounter a few demons out there but seeing them live and on stage now how many there were that was covid for me man Seeing Bill de Blasio on stage with that evil look and eating the fucking French fries and now even Mayor Adams, you know, these people are fucking demons. They're lying cocksuckers. They really are. <laughs> it's true. They're lying. Savages. Yeah. You know, and, <clears throat> and, and again, I'll say it again. I'll say it again. The the you, you were sitting here now. I, I read an article today where they're going to they're going to push diversity. And, and again, they're going to do a further diversity push into the FDNY because it's still, I think, like 84 percent white. Right. And I'm sitting there and I'm like and they said, oh, they're having retention problems. They're having retention problems with minority employees. And I'm like, oh, well, it's funny because the overwhelming majority of people affected by the vaccine mandate and even today in the FDNY, a black guy served the city for 15 years, gets a fucking letter saying if you don't get the shot in seven days, 
you're going to get fired. The overwhelming majority of people affected by the vaccine mandate were black and brown. So again, you're full of shit. You're not trying to push you're not trying to push communities ahead. You're not trying to push the underrepresented ahead. You actually push them down. You took people that, yes, are the underrepresented and are the um, historically marginalized, right? The marginalized community, right? You take somebody that joined the police department, joined the fire department. They're of black or brown uh, skin color. They live in, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a lower a lower income neighborhood and they're working their way out and you fucking dangle their check you dangle their check and their health care over their fucking head and their children and you set down generations of their children and the overwhelming majority of people who left who left and retired early were black and brown people a lot of women and it was because they held on to their faith so mayor adams is fucking full of shit and ken Corey, i never heard him say a fucking word on this so ken i did this especially this episode was especially for you for staying silent about the vaccine mandate for the last fucking two years so this is a big thank you to you you know john we talked about this and, and remember i said I mean, I, I just despise cowardice. And I think this move by Kenneth Corey is complete cowardice. And you actually told me that in the Bible that cowardice is actually looked upon as being worse than a rapist or a murderer. So, I mean, I, I don't know how you take that, Kenneth Corey, but I, I just think that cowardice is is the worst thing. You're sitting idle. You know exactly what's going on. You have years of experience, and you have an opportunity to fall out. And what's, you, you have an opportunity to right what's wrong. So, again, I say it again. What, what is going to be unveiled by the curtain? What's next for you, Kenneth Corey? What's next for your family? Why are you not speaking out? Well, you know what? You can't hide forever. We're going to find out why. We don't know yet. We're going to find out why you won't speak out. Obviously, it's either a career move for you or something for your family member. You know what? Just come out and say what it is. At some point, just tell the truth. You know, it's not enough money. What do you need? You need more status? Well, you know, it, it's just... It's really sad. And again, I'd like to go back to what you were saying before. The NYPD and the FDNY, it's always been a parallel when it came to being paid type of jobs that we do. They're both city jobs and they're both dangerous jobs, but they were different in many ways. People always, in many cases, you know, NYPD has, has a rough time with the community. Sometimes there's people out there that just despise the NYPD. But for the most part, I think community people love the firemen. People love to see five and they smile, they clap for them. They really, have, they get a lot of applause. But what we see with this vaccine, now with the NYPD and the FDNY, with the vaccines, it's a level playing field. And I think the NYPD and the FDNY has taken a beating with this vaccine, have been affected similarly. And, and, and like you said, it's unfortunate, but I do see it. The minorities have been affected. And who knows who the minority is or the majority anymore? Black and brown people have been extremely affected by this vaccine, and we've seen it. In the, and I don't know how the data yet, but I'm sure the data would reflect that. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Like I said, you know, I've been at the height of it. I get all the calls, you know, every, 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 everybody I speak to, you know, and, and, I, and I, said it, I said it on Instagram today, and I'll say it again. The overwhelming majority of white guys in New York City on the New York City Police Department are soft and compliant, and that's why – they did it. They're, and that's why you see 
still see white chiefs at the department. You still see white three-star chiefs. You still see white police commissioners because they're the most compliant. That's why. So the exactly. most compliant. I'm not going to say anything. I got, I got my pension to worry about. I got to, I got to get my extra two percent. That's all. That's all it is. It's all about money. It's all about this. Well, I think, I think money is is a game player, but I think even more for them, it's about status. It's about oh yeah, being called chief. It's about having some position in life where you're not just the average Joe. Because for most of these guys, honestly, I think they go home. I think they're a bunch of cucks. Because how could you not be? Because for all these years, you know the atrocities, the inadequacies, the failure of leadership within the police department, no mission. And we always say it. I say it all the time. The job sucks. Well, guess what? We are the job. Kenneth Corey, you are the job. You're the one calling the shots. And your vision is inadequate. It's totally inept. You are useless. You're not helping. You have an opportunity to stand up and say what's right. And listen, I'll I'll credit you a little bit. You gave some valuable information in this article, and some of it is true, but you left a lot out. You left a lot of information out. It's full of holes. And here we are to debunk these holes. So you know what? We're, We're given an opportunity, any executive out there that's going to come out and give their perspective on policing, I, I hope you're going to be honest because we are going to check you on it. Not because we want to be bullies, but because we want to give the public truth. So if you're not going to give the truth, we will expose it and we will give it out there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It shouldn't be that hard. It shouldn't be that scary to pinpoint how we got here, right? It took a long time to get here, right? How we got here. I mean, if the conversation is judges don't have discretion, I mean, you know, don't come on the show. Like, don't come on the show. Like you, you can, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest it. Um, you know, basically, you know, that's, that's what it is. You know, like we need to have a real conversation. We need to have real talk. The issues aren't even being presented. The problems in New York city aren't even being presented. You're not even being told what's going on. It's a complete deflection of everything that's going on. There are multiple reasons why crime is spiking, and that little tweak will not fix it. And to sit here and say we're addressing quality of life is a lie. I'm sorry. So, I mean, you know, it's not a knock on his whole career, but as, as, a, as a chief of department, I mean, it's a knock, you know, again. And, and it's not just him. It's all of them. The next one that steps in, Madri, when you step in, like I said, if you're going to just see it, sit there and point fingers at bail reform and that judges don't have discretion, you too. You too will improve. The, the crime will continue to rise. Quality of life will continue to go down. Morale will keep dropping on the job. Um, and that's it. You know, that's it. That's, that's it what it is. Unless we get some. I think, somebody, we, have oh, make, I think we have to make a, a knock on his career. Because I'm a firm believer that it's important how you start, but it's most important on how you finish. And this is the way that he finished. This is the way that he went out on the job. This is the way that he ended his career. His legacy is going to be that he didn't expose the actual truth. He's still bucking to Mayor Adams. He's still bucking to Keyshawn Sewell. I don't know. Maybe maybe they have something lined up for him. Because clearly you had an opportunity to say, hey, Mayor Adams, exactly your blueprint. Is not working. It hasn't worked because all we keep doing is starting stuff. Mayor Adams, we'll start this, we'll start that, but there's no finish. It's it's important how you start, but it's much more important on how you finish. 
When you're in a race, you're in a marathon, it's how you get to that finish line. Here he is. He's at the finish line. And I just think there's no end in sight. He's not helping. Failed leadership. Well, well, it's it's the it's the boys' club, though. So, like, you know, he he's gonna sit there and you know, same thing that was said about me, and the same thing will be said about you. You're a fucking idiot, and I'm a fucking idiot. You know why? Because we didn't sell out. We didn't sell out and go work our way up and sit there and take whatever the police department fucking told us. Do a thirty year career in the NYPD, retire with a sixteen thousand dollar a month pension, keep our mouth shut like good little boys, and then they'll hook us up with another job, another two hundred and fifty k a year job, and then another job, and then the next thing we know, we're collecting two pensions and we still have a two hundred and fifty k job. And all you got to do is just be a little cuck for the money, and that's so. In his eyes, he's a success because he'll be making $700,000. Public service in New York City has become a lucrative fucking career. I don't know how. I don't know how. you We have millionaires. I, I could see if you become a millionaire on your own through real estate transactions, through whatever else. But, like, you got a guy like Eric Adams with multiple pensions all off of city taxpayer money. Multiple streams of income on New York City paying money. Same for Phil Banks. Same for his brother. Same for everyone that's in the police department right now. I mean, all these fucking guys, they have multiple streams of income only from taxpayer money. This is what's going on in New York City. This is what it is. Public service has now became a lucrative thing. All you got to do is be a little good boy. Keep your mouth shut. Play with the lefties. Play with uh, the the New York City Police Foundation and all the lefties in there and the Tishes and everyone say how great Jessica Tish is and so why she became a commissioner in the police department and then a commissioner in Do It and now she's a commissioner in charge of sanitation. We have a billionaire heiress in New York City. She's a billionaire heiress. She doesn't even know how to shop. She doesn't even know how we shop. She doesn't know how to buy things in a store. And she's in charge of our sanitation department. Do you think she even knows how sanitation works? She has someone go and throw the trash out for her. Do you think she's ever interacted with her sanitation man before she became the commissioner? I mean, this is a fucking joke. This is what's going on in New York City. So, you know, whoever doesn't like it, I really don't give a fuck. Don't listen. And <laughs> For those of you that do, I appreciate. We appreciate all the message. We appreciate all the support. You know, thanks everybody for tuning in. I'll leave the last words to Eric. Hey, two sixty five Police Live, check us out. We are the experts. You want the truth? Keep listening to us. We're going to expose the truth. We're not giving you any bullshit. We don't apologize. But thank you for listening. I appreciate our supporters.